there! This is the Evolution Sermon Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that our message makes your week a bit more awesome. See you in church! The title of my message today is Giving with a Generational Mindset. Giving with a Generational Mindset. So before we dive into the message, I thought that it would be interesting to see what are some behaviors across the different generation when it comes to giving, all right? Okay, so one thing to note is that the data shown on the screen is gathered from Americans. So it may or may not be entirely accurate for Asians, okay? So you guys tell me if it's true. (laughs) Okay, so the few fun facts I picked out is, firstly, the matures, which is the greatest generation. They are born 1945 and earlier, basically your grandparents or your great-grandparents. You know, but what's really interesting is that 60% of them donate and 51% volunteer for religious and spiritual causes. And it's actually the highest across all the generation. And of course, the next one is the baby boomers. You know, so these guys, they actually represent 43% of the total giving in America. So they're the biggest giver. And then next on, you know, we're going to move on to Gen X, okay? We're not spending much time because we don't really have a lot of people in, that, in the first two generations, all right? Okay? Oh, that's great. We are a young church. All right, and the third one is the Gen X, okay? They actually represent one-fifth of the total giving. And they are top supporters of health services, animal rights, welfare, environmental protection. Pretty interesting, right? Okay, and of course, the next we have the millennials. Yay! Yeah, yeah, I feel <laughs> awesome. I think we are the most awesome gen. Okay, ooh. <laughs> so, sadly to say, we make up only eleven percent of the total giving. Okay, it's not a lot, but you know what? As we increase in our income, I'm sure our giving will increase too, right? <laughs> you know, but what's really interesting is that 84% of millennial employees donated to a non-profit in 2014. So we may not give the most, but at least 8 out of 10 of us will give. Yes. And that's awesome. Yes. And of course, last but not least, we have the Gen Z. Wow. Yeah, yeah, okay. So you guys are born 1996 and later, and you are also coined the Philanthro Kids. Wow. Very cool. 60% of you want your work to make a difference. Three out of four Gen Zs are worried and concerned about the planet as well. Wow. Isn't that so fascinating? Okay, I can see all of you trying to pick. Okay, so, so two weeks back, you know, Zuhan kickstarted RF by asking us a question, you know, can God trust you? Yeah. You know, I really love how he gave us a fresh perspective on the story of the servant with one talent, five talent, and ten talent. And the heart of this message is really how we can be better stewards of what God has placed in our hands. Last week, Edwin shared on how we are all capable of leading a generous life with God. You know, he gave us practical tips on how we can be more generous with our time, energy, and finances. 
And so for me, every year when RF comes around, you know, one question that I always ask myself is, why do I give? Yeah, I'm sure I'm not the only one asking this question, why do I give? You know, many of us sitting here give out of various reasons. You know, some of us give out of love for God and the community here. Some of us give because we know finances is tight. So it is a conundrum of building a youth church. And therefore, we give to meet a need. Some of us give because we feel God is challenging us, you know, to be more generous, to have more faith. And for me, this RF, I'm giving because I believe in building the next generation and beyond. You see, we live in the day and age where we tend to only think about the here and now. You know, our next career advancement, our next travel plan, what's the next big sale, 11-11, right? But there was a time when people used to think beyond themselves. You know, they had to think about generations, the people who will come after them. You know, farmers in the older days would clear the field with the consideration that their children will farm it. And throughout the Bible, one consistent theme is the idea of generations. You see, our God is a God of generation. Every generation is important to God and it's on God's heart that every generation will come to know Him. Psalm 78, 6-7, CB version. So if you have your Bible, take it out, turn with me. In church, we have a culture and if you are there, you will say, yes. So Psalm 70, 78, Chapter 78, verse 6 to 7. So Psalm is in the middle of the Bible, okay? For those of you who are new and not familiar with the Bible, just split your Bible into the half and you'll get to Psalms. Okay, so verse 6, it says, This is so that the next generation and children not yet born will know these things, so they can rise up and tell their children to put their hope in God, never forgetting God's deeds but keeping God's commandments. Now, that is why, you know, one of the big things we believe here in TiVo is youth. Yeah, yeah come on, guys. Y'all can do better, right? Youth. Yes. So besides creativity and justice, youth is something that we really believe in here in TiVo. We believe in building the next generation. We believe in empowering them. And when you give to TiVo, you are giving to this vision. So today I want to talk about what it means to give with a generational mindset and how our giving can impact generations. Amen? So first point I have for you is that our giving creates a ripple effect. You know, many times, you know, we think that what we can give is too small, you know, too little to make an impact. Sometimes we get tired of giving because we don't see the results that we are hoping for. In the face of so many humanitarian crises in the world, you know, we go, would giving one hour of my time to volunteer make any difference? Would giving $10 even make a dent? You know, and... Somehow, you know, we all love the story of how Jesus performed a miracle and he fed 5,000 men with just five loaves and two fishes. So for the newer people here who may not be familiar with the story, you know, let's turn our Bible to John chapter 6, verse 1 to 13. So let's take a look at 
the story of the five loaves and two fishes, all right? So verse 1 says, After this, Jesus went across the Galilee Sea, and a large crowd followed him, because they had seen the miraculous signs he had done among the sick. Jesus went up to the mountain, sat with his disciples. It was nearly time for Passover, the Jewish festival. Jesus looked up and saw a large crowd coming to him. He turned to ask Philip, where will we buy food to feed these people? Jesus said this to test him, for he already knew what he was going to do. So Philip replied, more than a half year's salary worth of food wouldn't be enough for each person to have even a little bit. And then one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, a youth here has five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that for a crowd like this? So then Jesus, you know, he didn't care about what he said. You know, he just like, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass there. They sat down, about 5,000 of them. And then Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks, and he distributed it to those who were sitting there. He did the same with the fish, each getting as much as they wanted. And when they had plenty to eat, he said to his disciples, gather up the level pieces so that nothing will be wasted. And so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves that had been left over by those who had eaten. Wow. So, you know, many of us, you know, when we read this passage, we zoom into the miracle of the multiplication, right? But I want to bring our focus to verse 8 and 9. You know, it says, One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, A youth here has five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that for a crowd like this? You know, a few of us stop to ponder, you know, what if the young boy chose not to step forward with this five loaf and two fish? You know, there probably wouldn't be any miracle at all. You know, the Bible we have just recorded, Jesus saw a large crowd approaching him. They were hungry and the end. That's all. And chapter 6 close. You see, but the young boy's giving was a catalyst for the miracle to take place. You know, it was not some rich young ruler or the disciple, but it was a youth. You know, but more than just feeding people, that young boy's giving grew people in their faith. You know, not only did he grow his own faith in God, but it caused the disciples, Philip, Andrew, and the 5,000 men to grow in their trust in God's provision as well. You know, so friends, especially youth, you know, I want to encourage you to see that your giving does make a difference. And for the adults here, you know, don't let skepticism undermine your giving. You know, don't be an Andrew in this case. Okay, so don't belittle what God can do with a simple act of giving. Amen? All right, so recently, you know, I was spending some time watching some Netflix documentary. Okay, so I'm not sure how many of you have watched it before. It's called The Thai Cave Rescue. So for those of you who do not know about this, let me provide some background context, okay? So what happened was that in June 2018, 12 boys of a soccer team together with their coach were trapped in a cave in northern Thailand. So they had gone, gone for an adventure, you know, a cave adventure after their usual football practice. You know, but what they didn't expect was that there was going to be a flash flood. And so the entrance to the cave was soon flooded before they knew it. So it was too late, you know, they couldn't exit the cave 
anymore and they were forced to venture deeper into, into the cave to avoid getting drowned. So eventually, they found a spot that was dry, but it meant that they were trapped about four kilometers away from the cave entrance. So you know what, from the entrance to the four kilometer point, it was all filled with water. So outside the cave, you know, no one knew if the boys were alive, you know. It would take only after one week before experienced cave divers managed to find the boys and were able to bring food and water to them. You know, but even after finding them, there seemed to be just no way to bring the boys out of the cave. You see, Mother Nature wasn't on their side. You know, heavy rains was expected in the days to come. And this meant that the cave would be completely flooded, making it impossible for the divers to even enter the cave. You know, not just that, oxygen level in the cave was running low, and if the boys were not rescued soon, they would eventually die of cardiac arrest. So they were really, literally racing against time. So the rescuers had initially thought of three possible options. Okay, first which is to train the boys to dive. But this was actually a suicide mission because even expert cave divers found it challenging to dive in the cave. You know, you can see how... So the group was there and this was the entrance. The second option they have was to pump water out of the cave. You know, but this process would take up to four months. The boys can't wait. And then the last option was to drill a hole and make an alternative passage into the cave. But if you see, that's about one kilometer. It's impossible to drill through. You know, so at this point, you know, it was easy to give up because it was really mission impossible. But the team pressed on and they decided to take a chance in an option that had only 1% chance of succeeding. It was an option that had never been done before. And this Superman rescue plan involved 100 Thai and foreign divers. So the plan was basically every boy was given a full face air mask to ensure they could breathe. And they were clipped on to a diver. So a cylinder was strapped to the front of each child while a handle was attached to their backs. And they were held face down to ensure water would run away from their faces. So this was a really terrifying process, even for expert divers. So what they did was that they actually heavily sedate, sedate every boy. They injected the kid, you know, so they were literally knocked out or rather semi-conscious during the entire journey to ensure that they would not panic. And eventually, miraculously, after many hours, every kid made it out alive on day 18. You know, to me, what was very heartening, you know, watching the series, it's a six-episode, <laughs> was how ordinary people from all over the world, you know, they came together with just one mission, to save 12 young boys in their coach. You know, US Air Force rescue specialists, cave divers from the UK, Belgium, Australia, Scandinavia, and many countries, they came together. Many hands played a part in this rescue mission. You know, but while everyone was deeply inspired by how the Navy SEALs, you know, the foreign cave divers, you know, how they risked their life, you know, to save the boys, there was one particular scene in the series that was extremely touching for me. What many people didn't know was that a couple of miles away from the cave was actually a group of 
hundred farmers who had sacrificed their rice, rice fields to buy the rescue team more time. You see, in order to prevent the cave from flooding entirely, the team had to divert the water elsewhere. And there was nowhere else except the rice fields. And this meant that the fields will be flooded, destroying the crops and affecting the livelihood of the farmers. You know, but one farmer who was interviewed, you know, she shared this. Children are more important than rice. The rice can always regrow, but we can't regrow the children. Wow. You see, not many people knew about them. You know, they didn't garner a lot of media attention either. But without their sacrifice, the mission wouldn't have been possible. You see, you know, one thing I learned is that a lot of times, we humans, we, we tend to see what is just happening to us right here, right now. You know, but God sees the bigger picture. You know, God also sees what is happening to someone else's right here and right now. And He sees a future that is not good, that is good not just for me and you, but for everyone. So sometimes, you know, we need to take a step back to see that our givings are all interconnected. You know, don't be too caught up in the process of doing or giving that you miss the whole purpose of it. You know, the beauty of this story was how everyone played a role in the rescue effort. You know, no effort was too small. And the farmer's decision in a split second bought a rescue team more time. So even though the rice fields were miles away from where the cave was, it impacted the rescue mission. So similarly to us, you know, what does it mean? It means that no giving is too small or insignificant to make a difference. You know, can I share one more lesson from this? And so one thing that was also very inspiring for me was how the team worked through all the constraints. You know, they had many constraints. Time especially. You know, but it forced them to innovate, to be creative. You know, sitting here, you may be thinking to yourself, I don't have a lot to give. But friend, today I want to raise your mindset and standard of giving. Do you know that Karis was only 14 when she gave a whole year's allowance to RF? You know, back then in TiVo, it had never been done before by anyone. Not an adult, not a youth. Not only was it an impossible idea, the idea hadn't even occurred to anyone before. <laughs> you know, but she didn't just go straight to her mom, you know, and ask for one year worth of allowance. You know, Karis, you know, she prayed, she sat down, she did the math. She budgeted her whole year expenses on Excel, calculated what's the total sum she would need, and broke it down to different components like food, transport, etc. And then she went to her mom showed her the spreadsheet and asked for a year's worth of allowance in advance. And of course, her mom gave. <laughs> you see, what she did, you know, it broke a mindset in all of us. You know, it was not that, you know, God was calling all of us to give one year's worth of allowance like Karis, you know, but the idea that it could be done. You know, it started to make all of us creative and innovative, you know, full of faith that if God has called us to be generous, that we could make it happen. So friends, don't be held back by what you don't have, you know, but look at what you have and think of what I can do with it to give it my best. 
Yeah, and for the adults here, you know, time may be your constraint, right? You know, but don't let the constraint limit you, but see it as an opportunity for growth, to grow your capacity, to be more efficient at what you do. You know, one other person I really look up to is Rebecca. So she's working full-time at a managerial role at HP. She teaches piano lessons on top of that, looks after our adorable Zach Zach, (laughs) and still gives her time to worship team as a keyboardist and band leader. And on top of that, she still makes time in her life for friends to be here for us. So if Rebecca, who is a full-time mom and working adult, can make time for others, you know, then the rest of us here really have not much excuse left, right? (laughs) Amen? And for those of you, or those of us, including me, who have been in church for a while, okay, it may seem like, hey, you know, what's all my givings amounting to? You know, I want you now to turn and look at your neighbor and go that, they wouldn't be sitting beside you right now if not for the years of you faithfully giving to build this home. So I want to inspire you that your giving, no matter how small or insignificant or you think it may be, has a ripple effect. Amen. You know, Mother Teresa has this quote. She says, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. So friend, don't belittle whatever you can bring to the table because your giving can create a ripple effect. Amen? Ready for point two? So point two, our giving is seed for the next gen. So sitting here, you know, if I have access to your bank account and could see all your transactions, you know, what kind of person do you think I would think you are? Oh, <laughs> oh, this is really awkward silence. Okay. So, how we spend our money is a reflection of our values. You know, Matthew 6.21, it says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, we live in a day and age of consumerism. You know, we are obsessed with the idea that we can make life better with material goods. You know, and it's really scary looking at the rate at which we spend and exploit natural resources in the here and now. You know, many of us, we don't stop and think how that affects the future of the next generation. You know, a lot of people ask me this question, can money buy happiness? Yes, of course. But there's got to be more than that to happiness, right? It can't seriously be about what we can buy, eat, or wear. In fact, scientists have found that humans are actually hardwired for generosity. You see, contrary to conventional thinking that humans are inherently selfish because only the strongest and fittest can survive, right? Research has shown that in early civilization, helping others maximize the survival or odds of each member of a society. This meant that helping others was essential to survival. You know, another thing about giving is that it promotes a sense of social connectedness. You know, it connects us to something bigger than just ourselves. You know, if I'm living just for me and me and only me, you know, there's always going to be a cap. You know, we are always after the next big thing, the next travel. Does it feel good? Yes. Does it make you happy? 
Yes, of course. But you will soon come to realize that it's a never-ending cycle. Because the current experience or bag or shoe or house will not give you the same level of happiness or joy that you felt when you first attained it. In fact, not too long later, you'll be on the hunt for the next big thing, the next iPhone, the next new kicks, right? And eventually, your happiness will hit the law of diminishing return, you know, where it will start to decline. You know, but the thing about giving to others is that happiness does not end with you, but it multiplies. You see, giving activates the same parts of the brain that are stimulated by food and sex. So it is actually inherently rewarding when we engage in giving. And more than that, helping others also triggers a release of this hormone called oxytocin, which actually promotes social connection. So there's an old Chinese proverb, it says, if you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. But if you want happiness for a lifetime, help somebody. You see, happiness that comes from impacting people lasts. So friend, don't just spend on yourself, but so. So two weeks ago, Zuhan preached the RF message, Can God Trust You? And he gave all of us $1, right? And I wonder what we all did with it, right? No, and that dollar became the seed for Ashton to practice generosity. Ashton, who is only 12, took that dollar, went to the vending machine, and bought Zuhan a drink. Aww. I'm so proud of you. You see, the power of sowing into the next generation is that the dollar doesn't end with us. But the dollar goes on and on and on as long as the next person continues to pay it forward. So for the youth here, you know, learn to set aside a budget for others. Learn to be generous right now. Learn to be able to live on less so that you can give more. You know, because this will serve you well in your future. You know, today as an adult, I earn more, but my spending habits have largely remained the same. And that is why I can experience having enough for myself and enough left over to give to others. And for the adults, you know, be diligent with budgeting and disciplined with your spending habits. You know, you don't need to compare yourself to others. You know, if you learn to be frugal and give when you were young, don't give up on those values now. Carry them into your adult life. So one of our amazing leaders, Cindy... So she shared recently, after getting married, how she was not planning to have a kid. Aww. But it's okay. So for my, many of us, all right, the first thought is that, you know, oh, she can take the money to spend on buying a bigger house, go for more holidays. But for Cindy, it was how she could now take that money that would have gone to raising her own kid and give it to help raise someone else's kid. You know, that was very powerful to me. And I am so honoured to be surrounded by friends who inspire me to think of others, to think of the next youth, the next kid, that next needs a step up. So here in TiVo, you know, youth are the future. 
that the next generation should be greater than us. They should stand on our shoulders and dream bigger. So another person I want to share is Aishu. Oh. So Aishu came to church when she was 16. And now, yesterday, I just realized she's 21. <laughs> oh. So she's a youth leader today, leading other youth and inspiring them to be awesome like her. You know, but what a lot of people don't know is that raising a youth isn't something that happens overnight. A lot of time and sewing goes on behind the scene. You see, here in Tivo, we believe in empowering youth. So during Christmas 2021, last year, Aishu was given the opportunity to lead the Christmas film for the first time. She did a great job. You know, and on top of that, she was also directing and helping with UCH. So it was an extremely intense period for her. So there was once, you know, she was supposed to upload a UCH episode at 9am in the morning, but she accidentally set it to upload at 9pm in the evening instead. So this wasn't the first time that she had made such a careless mistake. <laughs> and she was expecting that, you know, pastor would be frustrated with her. You know, I mean, you can imagine, right? If this happened outside our church, you know, any boss would get mad, right? You know, instead, Pastor responded with empathy and encouragement. You know, Pastor encouraged Aishu to get better at what she was doing and used it as an opportunity to grow her as a leader. And to me, that really is the heart of Tivo, where we say that we are genuinely interested in building people. Because of the opportunities Aishu was given to do films in church, it led her to discover her passion and gift in it. And today, not only is she a great youth leader, she's also pursuing a diploma in film in LaSalle. So let's give Aishu a clap. And Pastor, a big clap too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But you know what? Let's be real here too, okay? Investing in youth doesn't always guarantee us a harvest. You know, believe me, your leaders know this for sure because we have been doing this for a long time. You see, not everybody will reciprocate or pay forward your sewing like I should. You know, but when they do, it's like, man, it makes everything worth it. <laughs> and even for the people who decide not to make Jesus their Lord or Tivo their tribe, you know, I choose to believe that all the values that we have taught them here some part of it will go with them into the rest of their life. Values that make them a little bit more kind, a little bit more generous. And eventually, those little seeds we sown do make, do make its own changes in the world. So Tivo, let's continue sowing. Alright, be it your money, energy or time, let's keep sowing into the next gen. And the last point I have is that our giving goes beyond our lifetime. You know, sometimes we get stuck in the mindset of wanting to take credit for our giving, you know. We give so that we can receive. We give so that we can gain recognition. You know, I mean, theory is true, right? Every parent, you know, they will give to their kids unconditionally. You know, but we also want people to look at the kid and go and see how, oh, it's because of us that they are great, right? You know, I mean, I feel that way sometimes as a leader. 
you know, we are never 100% free of ego. You know, it is possible to always have some tensions living in us too. You know, the tension of sowing unconditionally and yet at the same time, the tension of expecting a return on investment. You know, and we have to learn to hold both. You know, when we give too unconditionally all the time, you know, we become a bad investor. You know, we make more losses than gain. No, but when we become too conditional in our sowing, we end up limiting our own generosity and what our givings can do. Because, you know, we want to see the results now. You know, and if we don't, you know, we get discouraged easily. We get disillusioned with God and with people. You know, listen to me. Sometimes, you know, we need to elevate the quality, the quality of our giving to take the long view and not the short view. And one such example is the story of King David. And so let's take a look at 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 to 5. So take our Bible and let's flip to there. So some context here is that King David... He has finally defeated his enemies and established himself as the king of Israel. You know, and he felt that it was not right that he is living in a palace, you know, while the Ark of the Covenant stays in a lowly tent. So in this chapter, he is sharing with Nathan, who is the prophet, that he wants to build God a temple to place the Ark of Covenant where God's presence can delve in. But God sent Nathan, the prophet, to tell David instead that he will not be the one to build the temple. Instead, it will be his son, Solomon, who will build it. So 2 Samuel 7, 1, it says, When the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to the prophet Nathan, Look, I'm living in the cedar palace but God's chest is housed in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go ahead and do whatever you're thinking, because the Lord is with you. Verse 5, But the very night, the Lord's word came to Nathan, Go to my servant David and tell him, This is what the Lord says, You are not the one to build the temple for me to live in. You know, can you imagine at the moment how that must have felt? You see, David wanted to build God a great temple. You know, but God said, hey, that's not your call. And instead of getting discouraged, you know, if you read on, David responded with a prayer of thanksgiving. And he went on to spend years preparing the resources and training his son for the responsibility and privilege of building the temple before his death. So while King David prepared for the temple, it was Solomon who completed it. You know, I know many of us here, you know, we want to be the generation that grows Tivo to be a big and famous church, you know. Yes, you know, we want to be known, right? You know, we want to be the generation that makes an immediate impact with what we give. You know, but sometimes, you know, we have to be the generation that sows so that the next generation can impact. 
You know, we live in a day and age where everyone buys into the myth of, you know, self-made millionaire, billionaire, right? And that's an idea that has been popularised by Forbes magazine. And in fact, in the last two years, Forbes claimed that 70% of millionaires are self-made. You know, except the thing is that most business research will disagree with them. You see, every successful person stands on the shoulders of a lot of people who have helped them get there. Yes, we work hard, but we also have parents who work hard to send us to schools that they didn't get to go to to help us to, you know, hopefully accumulate higher wealth than what they started with. Every billionaire or millionaire, they needed someone else to sow a seed and invest in an idea. So when we buy into the myth that, you know, we must be the generation that will see the great things happen, or we must see our own greatness in our lifetime, you know, what happens is that it takes us out of the great blessing God has in mind. In Psalm 78, verse 6 to 7, you know, it's on the screen, it says, This is so that the next generation and children not yet born will know these things. And so they can rise up and tell their children to put their hope in God, never forgetting God's deeds, but keeping God's commandments. And so luckily for King David, you know, he saw beyond his own success. He saw his son's future success. So I'm not telling you today, you know, don't be successful. You know, I'm saying be successful and be super successful, but also be significant. You know, sow into your here and now, but also sow into the next generation because they are the future. So we started this RF with a team called I Believe, right? So Zihan shared that I believe God can trust you to do something constructive with what He has given to you with a great heart and attitude. Edwin shared that I believe that we are all capable of leading a generous life with God. And for me, I believe in building the next generation and beyond. So this RF, you know, we are not just sowing into the present of TiVo here. You know, we are sowing into the future. We are sowing to the lives of those who have not yet stepped into TiVo or even heard about us. You know, we are sowing for generations to come. And know this, that your giving not only impacts the present, but for generations that will come after.